Hi, I'm Colleen Doran. Currently, I'm working with Neil Gaiman on some wonderful projects like Snow Glass Apples. Our other book is Troll Bridge. And I have lots of other fun things coming out with Warren Ellis and Matt Hawkins at Top Cow, a new series called The Clock. And I'm the creator of A Distant Soil for Image Comics. And this is 11 o'clock comics. Suffice. How about him getting mad at me? Right? That's weird. It's that behind the scenes scene slide. Yeah, he did when I called you. When I said. It was hurtful because we established pre- preemptively that I would be doing the talking, and then uh, it, no, it was it was sarcastically respectful. I know, I know, I know. That's why I did the random number two after. That's right. We I need did. a name. For that. I know because it's our text version of laughing, but I don't. It's hard to I, describe to people. That and you know, it. the kids don't get it because I thought I'd be cool. And when they text me, and they, I did it to them. They're just like, "What are you doing?" Right. <laughs> I think I think what some of the kids might get is if you just do like KS KS. Yeah. So just it just doesn't have the same. I'd rather I'd rather lose control and just you know steal all of my keyboard. Because sometimes you get a random word in there. Yes. That just yeah. That actually makes me laugh out loud. Yep. And you're like. Frankfurter, and it's like that's hilarious. It, it all corrected it to Frankfurter. That's great. Yep, it's Dada humor. Love it. Hey everybody, how are you? This is Eleven O'clock Comics, episode six hundred and seventy-seven, and I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I'm David A. Price. Indeed, you are, and I hope to soon be Randolph William Ralph Dibney. Because rumor has it they need a new one. Oh boy, is this a, an allusion to an actor who played on the Flash that has been removed from his position for? Yes. Okay. I'll be honest; I did not know his name until today. But his name is <laughs> his name is Sawyer. His name is Hartley Sawyer, and he was fired for probably being one of the dumbest people on the internet ever. Uh, he had some very—I I haven't even seen them. I don't know if you've seen them, guys, but I. But apparently he had racist and misogynist and homophobic tweets that I don't know if he didn't delete them or if somehow someone found them in another I place. Think, I think someone found them because he came out and supported um, Black Lives Matter and people well, of color. And I guess people people did some digging. Them. Yeah. yeah. Them. Um, by the way, just a public service announcement at the start of the show. If you are a progressive person like the three of us and uh, are want to speak loudly and uh, vehemently about the issues you have with other perspectives, you might want to make sure your own house is in order on that front. So clean up your <laughs> socials if you think you need to. Yep. It's true. Uh, it's a little scary, though, that we have a culture that will investigate back to the time daddy got happy with mommy. Um, it's it's just a little um, off-putting. I mean, I have nothing to hide. But if it was someone else with a different agenda i'm sure they can dig up something yeah look look at look at this crazy japanese art and this guy's (laughs) socials like this is just aberrant and you know you never know 
But hey, I'm just we tell our kids, man, just just try and live a life where anything you say online, whether it be your own website or Twitter or Facebook or Reddit or Snapchat or wherever the hell you're at, just make try to live that everything you say and type on those mediums would be something you would gladly say or type to the person in their face. That's true. Yeah. Well, I, I pride myself on always speaking the truth. So I got nothing to hide. And you know who else doesn't have anything to hide? Yes. Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a mere fraction of what everybody else is paying. Hosanna! The list is up. The specials are up. And I have selected three for your perusal. First up, from Dynamite, published under something called the Atlas Comics Signature Series. This is Mars Attacks Red Sonia, number one. (laughs) She is the red-haired she-devil with a sword. They are the green-skinned invaders from the Red Planet. Yes, those dastardly Mars Attacks Martians are attacking again. And these are the Martians of old, the Martians of the Hyborian Age. And so it's up to Red Sonia to stop the attack. But how will steel and strength and savagery stand against laser guns, sci-fi technology, and weird, weird Martian science? Only one way to find out. By this freaking book, multi-Eisner award-winning writer John Lehman returns to both Red Sonja and Mars Attacks, along with the phenomenal Fran Strukan, for a crossover sure to shake both universes. Now, I've done some digging, and I have not encountered a comment on whether or not this is a limited series or an ongoing. I have no idea. I don't even think Dynamite knows. I think they're playing this a little close to the vest and seeing how it catches on. And if it catches on, it'll be an ongoing. If not, it'll be a limited series. So, mm-hmm. um, as I said... So, like right- every comic series in existence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's multiple covers on this thing, too, but I want to highlight one. Uh, the artist, as I said, is Fran Strukan, written by John Lehman. Cover artist is Lucio Parillo. Okay, uh, the cover price is three ninety nine, but smart person that you are, you're going to get it for half that one dollar and ninety nine cents. Next up from IDW, it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in a book called The Last Ronin, which is a limited series. This is number one of five. Now, who's behind this book? Hmm. You tell us. Well, it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles event of 2020, springing from the minds of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles co-creators Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, comes an epic like you've never seen before in a future New York City far different from the one we know today. I don't know about that. A lone surviving turtle goes on a seemingly hopeless mission to obtain justice for his fallen family and friends. Kinetic layouts from Eastman, Moody Inks from Andy Kuhn, and a thrilling script full of surprises from longtime Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles scribe Tom Waltz, all combined to make this one of the most memorable Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stories you will ever read. It's oversized in both format and page count. This is a perennial TMNT, I'm not saying it again, tale that can't be missed. Now, I thought Peter Laird was going to be involved in this. I don't see his name. Maybe they had another falling out. I would hope. I don't know, but I would hope not. Because it warmed uh, our hearts. What was that? Was it the, uh, the Toys 80s? That Made Us? Yeah, Toys That Made Us. Yeah. Yes. I actually teared up. I'm not going to lie. I know you did. You told you told us. You said, I yep. watched it and I teared up. And we're like, well, we feel you, boo. Yep. 
says here, right, written by Kevin Eastman and Various. I hope some of that Various is Peter Laird, um, because volume Springing four. from the minds of co-creators Eastman and Laird comes an epic like you've never seen before. So he may just be... Uh, no, look at... No, I'm looking at... Okay, see, you may be looking... You're, you're looking at the DCBS site? No, I'm looking at the solicit text, yeah. In this On the site? Yes. Well, then I'm looking on page 118 of previews, writers Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird... Tom Waltz. All right. My pants are tighter. Written by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz. You got art by Andy Kuhn and Kevin Eastman. There's uh, a good amount of covers for this one too, right? There's definitely more than three. He's looking in there. But anyway, the cover price on this. Uh, there's cover A by Kuhn and Eastman. Retailer incentive, Kevin Eastman, and retail incentive B, Mateo Santoluco. Nice. The cover price on this is $8.99. The DCBS price is $4.49. That's half off. What? And a little bit of conceptual continuity for you from Ablaze. The Sumerian is back with the people. Oh, nice. Yeah, the yeah. people of the Black yeah. Circle, number one. I different artists. Yeah, different artists. Yet, so. Oh, what? Yes. Yeah, but isn't it's uh, a reprint though, right? No, well, it's it's a it's a stateside reprint of something that was done elsewhere. Your that's art what I'm is saying, uh, I'm saying it's it's so it, they must have the original series must have had it. That's what's weird. Okay, yeah, I'm getting there. Oh, Robert E. Howard's Conan is brought to life uncensored. Discover the true Conan, unrestrained, violent, and sexual, just like he should be. Read the story as he intended. In the kingdom of Vendia. The king has just died, struck down by the spells of the black prophets of Yimsha. The king's sister, Yasmina, decides to avenge him, Ellipsis, and contacts Conan, then chief of the Efguli tribe. But several of Conan's warriors have just been killed by the men of the kingdom of Vendaya, further complicating the matter. The princess thought she could use the Sumerian, but rather it is she who will serve his interests. <laughs> Sylvain Runeberg and prodigious designer-illustrator J. Kwong Park adapt one of the most ambitious and complex Conan stories of Robert E. Howard, an adventure where epic battles, witchcraft, and plots mingle in a mystical and scary orient, where revenge is an art. <clears throat> now, this thing is three ninety nine. but what are you going to get it for? Unfor- $1.99. No, unfortunately not for e- oh, uh, not 50. 39. No, $2.19. That's 45. Oh, oh, okay, I split the difference. Percent off. And I usually pick 3, but I'm going to throw one more in. I won't read the solicit cuz you should know already know what this is. From DC. If you don't order this, I'm going to be very cross with you. It's a hard <laughs> it's a hard cover. The retail on it is $50, but you're going to get it for 24.99. What is it? It's Jerry Ordway's The Power of Shazam. It collects The Power of Shazam, OGN, and the first 12 issues of The Ongoing for $24.99. Get out of here. You need to order this. Again, I'm, I'm taking notice. So, Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. The best discounts anywhere. Go there. Dude, by the way, Sylvain Runeberg, I have to tell you, I have followed him on Instagram for years. He puts up supremely naughty images, and I have never read a comic by him. So there you go. Sweet. Yeah. Well, Respect. always the first time. 
Is that? I think I know who you're talking about, Jason, because I just like the post. Oh yeah, today. he's all about that naughtiness, and I'm not mad at that. No, 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 definitely not. Shout out to Cliff and Justin and Vander. Yes. All right, people, we have something very special for you. Yeah, break, this is like a special episode. It's like a, it's like when you're watching Jerry Springer and all of a sudden Governor Cuomo breaks in to tell you about COVID and you're like, dude, I just want to watch Springer. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Jason is the only person that could have driven this bus and he did it magnificently. Indeed he did. We managed uh, to uh, lure our lovely sponsor to come in and have a couple of words with us. And of course, that is one Christina Merkler. It's it's a very fluid, very malleable time in um, distribution for comics, retailing for comics. And she just thought it was a good idea to uh, field some questions for Jason because everybody wants to know. Everybody has questions. Uncertain times, right? And uh, wow, uh, David and I basically listened and we learned a lot. <laughs> no, we did. You were my arm, I, ca- you were my arm candy. Yeah, but that's that, very, very sexy arm candy. I would not trust anyone else. To do this. Oh, that's very nice. I'm not kidding. I, I will say we've done a lot of interviews. Each one is special in his own way. Um, we're not we're not an interview show. We're not a news outlet. But this is one of those rare times when arguably the biggest news in comics in a long time happens to revolve around a friend and our longtime sponsor in in the Merklers, right? And we had Christina on, what, like five, six weeks ago just to talk about COVID and some of the craziness of Diamond shutting down. This is before even it was official that she was going to be a temporary solution to that. And um, I'm very grateful that we had the opportunity to have what I think will be the definitive uh, Q&A uh, about this matter that seemingly everybody wants answers to the questions. So we got them. We got the answers to the questions. Right. And this affects everyone. So it's yeah. not exactly chasing the new hotness. It's trying to allay fears and questions that everyone has. You know, back in the bullpen days, David and I, well, it was mostly me, were chasing the new hotness towards the end. And remember when Captain Marvel came back? And I said, man, oh we got to... I loved that episode <laughs> so much. <laughs> we we got to strike. We're in the iron's hot. Let's get some comments from our listeners. And it was... A hotline it, was it, epic. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so uh, learn from your mistakes. We don't... We That's don't. the definitive Pullpen Bulletin's episode, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that like it was yesterday. And I didn't... I knew you a little bit, Vince, but I didn't know David and all. And I just remember listening to that episode. Pure jaw-dropping fascination with the lunacy of commentary. It was yeah, awesome. It was great. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've matured a little bit. Well, at least I have. And uh, Yeah, a little bit. It's so we we don't chase after the new hotness. But like we said, in this case, this affects everyone, not just whoever's reading, what was it, Secret Evasion or, or um, Civil War? Whatever, Captain Marvel. Civil War. It was, War. It was, Civil yeah. Civil he was the uh, warden of... Yeah, it was Civil War. Yeah. So there you go. And without further ado, let's get into it. Um, listen to uh, Christina's words and wisdom, and we'll be back shortly after. And as promised, a big night. We are welcoming back for the second month in a row uh, the uh, fantastic 
Miss Christina Merkler, co-owner of Discount Comic Book Service, In Stock Trades, and of course, probably the main topic of tonight's conversation, Lunar Distribution. Welcome back, Christina. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. Hello. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's really really do appreciate you you coming on. You are the uh, you 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 and Cam are the uh, I don't know. You are the the hot button people of the comics industry, and that is not hyperbole right now, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's got say that. <laughs> so, I mean, first of all, we had you on like I don't know what five six weeks ago, and and it it literally seems like an entire lifetime ago in terms of all that's happened to the world and to the comics industry. Uh, I think when we had you on, you hadn't even the 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 whole um you know the whole deal that was then temporary hadn't even really been formalized and obviously that that's that's now permanent so first question because you're a friend above all else how how is it how's it going i mean how how is it uh how are you all doing and and uh and you know just just how are you feeling right now after a whirlwind uh two months um overwhelmed uh yet uh I mean, every actually everyone's been really great. So, I mean, it's difficult to onboard that number of people in a matter of days. Uh, and luckily, DC shifted uh, this week's FOC to next week, so it gives us a chance to really get everyone registered and in the system, so to speak, and uh, give them, you know, what what they're supposed to expect and uh, set up shipping and and all that crazy all that crazy stuff. Um, I mean, it's been, it's been a very strange, what, six weeks that you're right. feels like six months. Um, we were just starting to feel like we were in our groove. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, this, this really was like a turnaround of a matter of a couple of days. (laughs) So, um, you know, we were ready. We were, you know, just kind of, okay, give it, you know, give it to us. (laughs) We'll figure it out. And yeah. That's what we're doing. So, yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, really, I, 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 the plan, I think, is just to kind of, I tried to make an out, a rough outline of just some of, the, I think, the key questions that, uh, that, that are, you know, pertinent to what a lot of people see as a pretty major change. Uh, hopefully, for the better. Obviously, we all agree, but, but certainly a major change to an industry yeah. that had been relatively stagnant in the way that it was went about doing its business for decades. Um, and uh, you know, obviously. Um, if if there's anything that uh, you either don't feel comfortable, you know, responding to or can't because of, you know, NDAs, whatever, you know, by all means, it's no issues. But I just figure we'll try and be comprehensive and, and kind of just like hammer out the the, the salient points while we have you. Um, so, so I guess the first I mean, I'm just going to try and go chronologically. Um, obviously, when we last talked or when you last spoke um, about it, it, it was it was a temporary arrangement that D.C. had put in place with both you as lunar and midtown as UCS. Um, and then, um, obviously since, since then we all know that it's, it's permanent and DC's put out statements and diamonds put out statements. Um, but I guess I'm curious to whatever extent you're comfortable, like when did you either know that it was going to be permanent or, or did you always know that it was at least a potential, uh, way that it could go? Um, we didn't, uh, I'll be honest. The, the initial was, Hey, let's, it was really a, hey, can you help us out? We feel that you two are the one. And, and I know they had reached out to a couple of other people. But once we said, yeah, we're willing to give it a try, um, they said, you know, we understand there, that there's a lot to this. And you may get a month or two in and just say, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. 
Um, and so the contract that we had with him was very short. Um, but that contract is actually still in place. I, I don't think that's a an NDA sort of uh, anything against the NDA. It's It was a short-term contract. Um, so although you're saying permanent, like um, really once they said, hey, can you scale up, that was last week. So it wasn't – it was nothing – like we were always making plans like, okay, what if Diamond doesn't come back? What if sure. Diamond comes back? And then they decide that they want to shut down again. Like we were trying to make those type of contingency plans, but we certainly weren't saying, okay, well, we're just sure this is going to last forever. Um, We were just kind of really just playing it by ear and just going day to day and just trying to improve the whole process because we thought, you know, Diamond comes back, DC goes back to them. Maybe they decide to use us, you know, as a backup, whatever. But, you know, our big, you know, once we got the infrastructure in place and things, we thought, well, you know, this could be something that we can use for smaller publishers that maybe don't have accounts with Diamond or that do but aren't exclusive and they'd like another outlet. You know, those were the types of things that we were thinking. Mm -hmm. But really, as far as permanency, I don't even, you know, I mean, nothing's permanent, right? Um, But we haven't really talked about how much further that's going. Okay, yeah, that that's fair. I guess, because one of the other questions I had, and it kind of leads into that, was, as I understand it, and again, anytime we get anything wrong, please correct correct the record. You, uh, UCS, which is Midtown, and then Penguin Random House, or, I mean, it's really, I, I know a lot of people are focused on the two of you because of your, also your dual role as retailers, but Penguin Random House is also involved in this and is also now a licensed distributor, but certainly they're not doing single issues, so really probably won't be touching the direct market as much. But, um, so you kind of answered this, but I, so, but as I see it, you know, you were ramping a little bit, like you said, to handle the new challenges of distribution. But now that you know, and I'll I'll stop using the word permanent, but now that you know that that you are effectively a, I don't know, co-exclusive, but really the only way the direct market can get DC product. Um, needless to say, there's going to be a lot more uh, clients that are onboarding, as you noted, probably a lot that either didn't want to or didn't initially because they weren't sure where it was going to go. So, you know, certainly the volume and the commitment from you from an infrastructure uh, perspective now uh, spikes materially from where it was even a few weeks ago. So to that end, like, are you I I hope for your sake, I mean, are there ongoing discussions to at least have some kind of financial security with D.C. to protect yourself so so that it doesn't, you know, it would be terrible for you to have a lot of fixed costs to build up a much larger distribution network, which you're going to do now, uh, and then find out it's, you know, it's not something that's, that's more than transient. You actually, you'd be surprised, like the initial startup was the, and it wasn't even cost really, because I mean, we just essentially copied what we do at DCBS and then tailored it to a retail um, sort of, the only thing we really changed was the way that we packaged So um, we really kind of already had all of the infrastructure. Our developer, um, you know, has been working crazy hours, obviously, because the lunar system is very different. But it's not, I mean, really, the the only risk a distributor has, and Diamond has this same risk, is the risk of them giving terms to accounts. So that's where the big, you know, I don't want to say concern, but that's where the big problem is if people aren't paying you, right? Um, But as far as the actual infrastructure of work 
it, it wasn't that difficult. And so now that we have the basis, um, we go up five times or 10 times. It's, it's a matter of additional employees, maybe extra racking in the warehouse, but it really, it doesn't change that much. I know it sounds crazy, but it really doesn't because you're still de- dealing with the same number of titles. It's just larger quantities of them. Right. So you just have to figure out, you know, how to put them in your warehouse, how to like lay it out. Um, we are probably going to create a different pick system. Um, but financially, it's not a whole lot different now. That's because it's just DC. I'm being honest. Yeah. If you if you're talking, I mean, it, we couldn't like we couldn't all of a sudden be diamond. It's just not. It's literally not feasible space wise. Staff-wise, you know, the whole thing. Um, but we could certainly do it within a certain amount of time. It just would take time. And that would definitely take more infrastructure and just financial input than, you know, we have right now, obviously. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> um, and sure. then most people have, which is why Diamond has never really had anyone who's tried to even compete with them even on their own level not that we ever have i mean we've always been happy as a diamond you know customer and so is midtown so um but i know that there are other like um i'm not sure if you're familiar with baker and taylor sure yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so they you know really tried but there wasn't you know unless you have two or three warehouses and you know, like a, a vast, um, like a vast staff at your disposal, uh, you would be surprised um, <laughs> the expectations that a, that retailers have as far as service. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not surprised because I feel every customer should have a certain level of expectation. But I mean, there are there are stores who are literally, they don't want to do anything by email. They don't want to have to place their orders online. They want to be able to talk to somebody every time they have a question. And those are the things that we had to get used to because those are things that we don't do at DCBS. Like, you know, you're getting this great deal, (laughs) you know, you're going to place them online. We're not going to hold your hands as much, that type of thing. Um, and so that is something that, that diamond has done very well for the retailers is they have managed to service customers in very different ways. Um, but that also could be a part of, you know, the, the problems that they experience, like with customer service reps and just Mm -hmm. keeping a good staff, et cetera, you know, because it's a lot, it's a lot of money, um, for very little return. (laughs) Right. Oh, I just want to get one comment in uh, before Sir Words a lot here buries us again. Um, <laughs> one thing you said almost made me jump up and down, and it's in regards to small press publishers. When because we all know that Diamond won't even acknowledge publishers if they don't meet a certain amount of copies, right? And the fact that you even considered it taking on these smaller publishers as a way to, you know, get the books out there and get them to stores. That's awesome. And, and I love you for that. <laughs> well, I mean, we've always kind of been like that with DCBS anyway. Like if somebody comes to us and they make it easy enough for us to just offer their products each month, then, you know, we're always willing to do that. But I've always thought that, 
And and I get, I'll be honest with you, I absolutely understand why Diamond does it because those are the accounts that take the most amount of effort. Um, I'm not saying that, I mean, they can only carry so many accounts, right? They can right. only take so many publishers. And so I just, I think, I mean, we've gone back and forth. We've had lots of, um, you know, people just reach out in just recently, um, which I'll be honest, we haven't been able to follow up with anyone because we were just getting to the point actually where we were until this happened last week. And we're like, Oh, okay, well that's, it's going to be another couple weeks <laughs> uh, before we can really start doing that. Um, because our developer had us 95% there to really feel comfortable, take on new publishers, um, you know, no, no matter the, the, the size of them. Um, but that still will be, I mean, like anything, it's, it's going to be, uh, learning together process. Right, right. Which isn't necessarily bad. Um, no, no. Um, I can imagine that, say you had a handful of small press publishers. It's not, I mean, from my perspective, being nowhere associated with your company or have ever worked in that kind of um, business, it's probably easy to just throw two comics in this existing accounts order, okay. But if you get 100, 200 small press publishers, I could see that could be a sizable uh, addition to the workflow. And that's when you have to start getting into, like, how do we do this in addition to all the other stuff we have to do? So, I mean, the fact that you even considered it, God love you. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's true, though, Vince, because, I mean, the the way that Diamond makes money is off volume. I mean, Steve said that himself. So obviously the more profitable are the DCBSs, the midtowns and the, in the larger retailers, because they can pick up a printer box of 200 comics and pick it. And they pick 200 in that split second. Right. Right. Uh, where they may have a smaller customer like store that orders three of this, five of this, 10 of this, four of this. And it just, that picking process takes way longer. Right. Um, and they may not even order 200 total. So it makes sense that, but it also makes sense for them to encourage people and try to develop stores in a way that they are selling more copies of all of those things too. Right. Um, and I mean, let's be honest, there are some stores that just they're fans, but they're not necessarily businessmen or women at heart. Mm -hmm. Um, and it would probably be incredible if publishers or distributors had the, the resources to help those stores maybe figure out where they could really grow and even become just a lot more efficient than maybe what they are. Right. Um, again, this is not like, I don't expect hard numbers, but I, there was a lot of talk when the temporary deal during co during the, the throes of COVID uh, launched, um, you know, uh, as we talked about some retailers jumped on board, some decided just to wait cause they weren't even open. So they figured why bother? Like I'll wait until I can reopen. Um, so I'm just curious, like from a magnitude perspective, like, were you like how many retailers signed up initially? And again, not like hard numbers, but more like relative to the to the number that could have. 
And then we had heard before all of this news broke, we had heard some anecdotes of um, some retailers that were using you or Midtown uh, temporarily because they had no choice. Then then going back to Diamond at the first opportunity, obviously that was probably a hassle for them that they have now have to ratchet back. So like, I'm just curious, like from a magnitude, were you surprised by the initial number that signed up? And then did you see some of them like go away and now they're right back? Like, has there been any of that? Oh yeah. Um, the initial was less than half of what we expected, but, or, or what they said our top could be. And really they were just, when they split the territory, um, they said, you know, you have a potential of this number of, you know, customers. Um, then about half of those people actually placed orders. So, so like a quarter, basically. Yeah, placed orders maybe a and, yeah. quarter of what we could have potentially had. Then when Diamond came back, half of those stayed on. But then... Okay. In the last couple of weeks, we've had people reaching out saying, hey, I didn't get any of my DC books this week. I called Diamond. They couldn't help me. Can you help me? And we were like, yeah, we have, you know, we had some extra stock. And and so we were able, I mean, and I'm talking like a dozen. Mm-hmm. We still had a dozen people who had clearly been happy with her. And, and there were many people who emailed us and said, hey, we loved your packaging we like, you know, we were happy with your service, you know, but it just doesn't make sense for us cost effective wise to order those books from, from diamond set, you know, you separately from diamond. Sure. Um, and I mean, you'll always have people that are just like, you know, down on diamond and they're they They want any other opportunity to, to use somebody else. Right. Right. Um, so one of the interesting things I think that's got uh, a lot of us scratching our heads is that when the interim deal was announced, uh, as I understood it, you and UCS were basically like bequeathed like sales territories. You got the like the left, you know, the west side of the country, re- relatively speaking, and and Midtown got the right side, such that it would be like each each diamond account didn't really have a choice whether they used you. Or Midtown, they it was based on geography. Whoever had claim to it. Now DC put out a Q and A today, um, kind of explaining all of this to try and answer people's myriad questions. And they said very clearly that as of now, that it's semi permanent or at least more more of an ongoing thing. Retailers are free to use either you UCS or Penguin Random House or some combination of you. And they've recommended that West Coast use you, East Coast uses. Midtown, but but you're free to choose. Um, so I guess what I'm asking is, is from your vantage, I mean, it was probably a lot different, right? When you and UCS were kind of allies in in a, in a sense, like you, not that you had to interact with one another, but you knew you weren't really fighting. But but if if this persists for the next year, two, three, four, five years, um, you're now effectively competitors. So how does that factor into your thinking about this? In the sense that, like, I've heard your packaging has been much better than UCS's, right? So if you start getting, I don't know, two thirds of the signups, it, you, what's to stop UCS from saying, "All right, we're going to give you better credit terms"? Or we're going to. So, do you envision, or are you at all concerned or preparing for the idea of you all becoming competitors for that business? <laughs> um, actually, we uh, we have always been on incredibly friendly terms with Angelo and Leo from Midtown. Okay, um, we've seen them at DC meetings and. 
you know, other, we've seen them at New York Comic Con a few times. We actually had dinner with them in New York a few years ago um, with Diamond. And so uh, to be fair, at the very beginning, DC said, this is who we recommend. And they really were like saying for your own, you know, in your own best interest, these, uh, these companies can guarantee transit times in these areas. So we recommend, but they never said they had to because legally they can't. Mm, right. Right. Okay. So now they, they're being a little more like, look, we're, you know, you can do, you can be with whoever because now they've had the chance. Maybe they didn't like us and they'd prefer to use UCS. Um, and it really is a matter of what it could be, whether they just don't like us or they just <laughs> like UCS, right? You know, because people think we're both the devil. So um, I don't know which is the worst devil, but in some people's minds, it's equal. Um, but really, when you're considering who you're going to go with, I think our service is just as good as theirs and vice versa. And I'm sure their packaging is is perfectly acceptable and better than Diamond's. Mm-hmm. Um, it, if I were a retailer and had to decide, I would be deciding who was the closest to me because that means my shipping costs are going to be lower. Like sure. that would be the that would be my first question. And then I would go to that distributor and say, Hey, you know, I've got some questions here and what can I expect? And, and then I, there, I can tell you, there are a lot of people who are trying us both out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, I mean, this isn't in the weeds question, but you would know this as both a customer of diamond and, and obviously shipping to people like us all over the world. Um, like I've heard a lot of geography talk, like you just said, like pick the place that's closest. But um, like from your vantage, do you know that like if are because Diamond is the cost of someone, say, that has an LCS in San Francisco paying relatively the same shipping costs uh, for their Diamond order as someone that's in uh, Chicago or, or is it materially different because they're so much further away from from the Diamond centers? Like, do you know, I mean, I don't know if you know that, but I'm just curious. Like, I never really thought that geographically the shipping once you got to that level was like that materially different. But apparently it clearly is because it's you, know, you all are all very focused on that. So, like, is it orders of magnitude more expensive if you're ordering from Midtown versus you if you're, say, out in Seattle? I mean, possibly. And I, I'll be honest with you. I know that we use FedEx and Midtown uses UPS like Diamond does. Okay. Um, so it could be something like that. We have negotiated. We have renegotiated with FedEx four times in the last six months because UPS keeps coming in trying to get their business back because we did switch to UPS. Yeah, I remember it when sure. we were in Memphis because, yeah. you know, UPS. Well, I mean, to be fair, Memphis is FedEx's headquarters. So they just assumed they had the business. And then when UPS came in, they gave us better pricing by a considerable amount of money, like six-figure considerable. Um, so we switched with UPS. When we came back, my FedEx rep who had been here with us called me up and he said, hey, I want to earn your business back. So he did, and then UPS came back, and then it was a back and forth. I'll be honest with you, UPS never negotiated like this before. So, I mean, times have changed, right, in the last Mm -hmm. seven, eight years. So I don't know how much different it could be. I know that some people hate FedEx, and I know some people hate UPS. 
It's just the name of the game, right? It depends on your region, um, whatever. But I, as far as I know, in the conversation that we had with, I can't remember who it was, but I believe that they're doing the same costs. Effectively, whatever they're getting charged is what they're charging the customer, and that's the same thing that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I assume that they have fairly good negotiated rates, also with UPS. Um, but you just never know. Um, right. It could be a matter of a couple of bucks, but you know that's that's a book, right? So mm-hmm. um, when you're, I think with California, the diff and Washington, the difficulty is that without having a warehouse further in the West, it's it's. You know, you have to really like we have four day points that we have to start, you know, picking and packing on a Monday to make sure they're out on Tuesday to be there by Monday, the following Monday. Sure. So um, and we run our queue that way. So everyone gets picked based on geographical location. So furthest away points get picked first and then it goes down to one day points. We have a lot of one day points. We have a lot of Michigan, Illinois, Kentucky. Oh, not maybe not maybe a couple of Kentucky, mostly Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have a lot of um, Nevada and Kansas and Oklahoma and and obviously California is one of the largest. Sure, sure. So speaking of California, um, you know, I know that when you were on last, we all kind of riffed about this idea of you being. "Quote unquote competition with the LCS, and you know where we stand. We we with you on this. I, I don't see you as at this point in your life cycle really being competition for like Brian Hibbs's customers, right? Like ultimately, if they what you're offering versus what he's offering are different things, and I I would argue that a lot of the people that use you are looking for a different value proposition, and that's totally cool. But as you full well know, I'm sure more than I do, uh, people including Brian Hibbs, you know, are acting like this is. Uh, you know, the end days, right? Like he obviously mm-hmm. was very vocal against it when it was temporary and he's even more aghast now. Um, so I guess the question is, you know, whether or not like you want to needless to say, you now kind of have to deal with that reality because I'm going to presume as much as Brian Hibbs doth protest too much. He can't just walk away from, D- from, from selling DC comics, at least not initially. So like, do you have to have one-on-one conversations with people like him and try and bury the hatchet or is it ultimately like, listen, these are the terms. These are the discounts. This is the customer service. If you want to order, we're going to treat you fairly. If you don't say la vie, I mean, how much do you even, do you have to evangelize yourself now versus some of these LCSs that do view you as competitors? Or is that just like, frankly, their issue and, and they can either deal with it or move on. As far as we see it, it's their issue. Um, we have been nothing but fair and honest with everyone that we've dealt with since we started this. Um, in fact, I mean, I'll be honest with you. We were shorted some books and I pulled them out of DCBS and gave them to customers, uh, to retail customers. Wow. And, yeah. and then I ended up reordering them through Diamond because I wanted to make sure because there was something where. It was received, in, a, a, an account was received in wrong, and it wasn't by that many, but it was like 20 copies. And we had just done a transfer to Diamond, and I had, it was my math that was wrong, and it shorted us. 
Um, so I took them from DCBS customers because we weren't shipping those customers yet. And I reordered them from Diamond. So, I mean, we do stuff like that. Like the fact that anyone would think that we're just trying to just take advantage of everyone. is just, it's like, it's actually disgusting because. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah. And the reason it is, is, I mean, we've been their competitor, competitor for 21 years. People act like we're brand new or something. I just, I don't understand it. Like we've been doing this for 21 years. Everyone has been able to have successful businesses. We don't poach their customers. We don't, I mean, we hardly, the only advertising we do anymore is through podcasts. We don't even, and we, and we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we, we're not like, we're not putting ads in the, in the USA Today and we're not, we're not even advertising in DC comics anymore or Marvel comics or whatever. So, I mean, people have known about us for years. The things that, that sets us apart from them is that we're online and yes, we're less expensive and we give good service, but stores have this community in this, ability to have a family like we we feel like we do online as much as we can and we have a dcbs family um but stores can really offer something that we can't and that's that one-on-one that that camaraderie that sitting and basically shooting the shit and like oh can you believe this and oh i really want to you know and we don't have that opportunity right um so i the it's really an apples and oranges type of thing. Yeah, really, who they should be worried about is like an Amazon, who will literally run all of us into the ground and then turn around and just raise prices and, you know, whatever. But that's not our intent. I mean, we've been doing this for 21 years, the same thing. There, yep. We haven't really changed our model much at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I'm, I'm You know, I didn't even know your – like, I knew, obviously, you advertised with the podcast because you advertise with us, but – um, I've seen again some of the rhetoric going around uh, on some of these articles from LCS and are saying, "Oh, they're gonna they're gonna take our customer lists and and do Facebook targeting for our zip codes." And I'm thinking, "A, nothing stops you from doing that now, right? Like exactly. I, I didn't know that you, I didn't know that you didn't do that, but I, I was thinking, well, that's silly because, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm very I understand the Facebook model advertising model really well. Like nothing, you could plug in the San Francisco zip codes right now and and send targeted ads. Like nothing can prevent." Exactly. That. Yeah. Okay. But the fact that you're not even doing that, like that's, that's doubly interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, we've, for 21 years, it's been mainly word of mouth, literally. I mean, it's, there's not, I'll be honest, we're so busy just working all the time that we're not sitting up on a mountaintop wringing our hands, trying to figure out how we're going to destroy the world. Like you're not swimming in your, in your giant vat of gold to blooms like Scrooge McDuck. Right. (laughs) And I've said this for 21 years that no one wants to work this hard. So, right. So a lot of, a lot of the people who say that and say that we want to poach their customers or whatever, they just don't want to work any harder to make them. And I'm not saying that I am saying that as a general thing. And that's, I'm sure not true for everyone, but there are a lot of people who just want to turn the lights on and unlock the door. And that's just not how you do business anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, I think, I mean, we clearly agree with you. Um, so one of the things, and again, this is kind of a nebulous thing. We're getting, we got a lot of questions about the the idea of like the, the, what happens to the stores. And I get that because needless to say, while we, we wished every one of our listeners heeded our, or Vince's beautiful uh, weekly plug for you. Uh, and a lot of them have, you know, some obviously still go to their LCSs and that's cool. 
Um, so we got like a, a, a deluge of questions from people that do go to LCSs and like they kind of all were s- similar minded in that like they come down to a few specific points. So the first one is um, DC said today in that presser and you've said, you know, publicly as well um, that you, that the, the same discounts for DC books will apply as we're with Diamond. Uh, I have that. That's that. That's correct, right? Yes. Okay. But then I've seen people counter with, that's cool, but at the end of the day, this is still a significant cost increase for me as a store owner because my volumes are based on volume discounts. And then on top of that, I'm now getting two shipments from two different places, smaller shipments. So I'm going to say I'm going to spend more on shipping. Um, and, and then finally, Diamond, I'm going to fall short on my diamond volumes. Now I I'm guessing that some of that is true. Some of that's not true. Cause, cause I think you mentioned that a lot of this is tied to the actual like publisher itself, but, right. but, but maybe can you clear, can you like clarify that? Like, like why is it, is it fair to say that for the average LCS customer that you're going to be onboarding at least for a while, it will be net more expensive for them to deal with two distributors. Oh yeah. I mean, because you're getting two different shipments. Okay. So, I mean, that is completely understood, which is why we're so committed to making sure. And I'm, I mean, I can tell you that I have seen what Diamond charges for a single shipment. And we, I don't think we've charged that for 10 pound boxes. Um, and they will charge it for a single book to be sent. Um, so, I mean, Diamond's shipping. It appears to be, but no one knows because there's just one big charge, right? So Diamond has, they they send you 10 boxes in a week and then they just say, this is your shipping charge. And with Lunar, and I believe UCS does the same thing, we have a, we tell you exactly what each box costs. So you know what your 10 pound box is. And Diamond doesn't? Box. That's remarkable. No, it's all, oh, oh my God. It's all okay. one. And that has, I just... <laughs> I just talked to a retailer today and he says, I just want to ask you if you can tell me, you know, what my per box costs. I said, it's done. That's how we do it. It's, it's in your invoice. You'll see each. And he's like, thank you so much. We've asked diamond to do this for years. And I mean, it's probably a simplicity thing for diamond. I don't know. Or maybe they don't want to show because they probably have a small amount buffered in for you know covering their packaging costs or whatever but we don't i mean whatever when when my team labels a package the fedex api comes back and it says this is the cost and they click the button and it gets recorded and that's what we're charged and that's what we charge the customer that's and, fantastic that, that's the visibility i would think see it's I, i'm literally shocked that 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 wasn't the case with diamond and and i guess yeah. again like you would wonder i mean i know we it's probably not well, the time. We don't know. Yeah. Problem, right? We don't yeah. know. But I have a hard time. I mean, I had somebody who told me they had one three ninety nine book sent by Diamond, and it was a $14 charge wow. for shipping. And I was like, okay, that seems – well, that's ludicrous, first off. Um, and second, I was like, well, you could send that by USPS for first-class mail, like, for 4 bucks, Like, that's yeah. – which still would have been outrageous, right, for a three ninety nine book that they probably got at 50% off. Mm-hmm. But right, that's I, the thing you do because you just have a great customer and you want to just do right by them, right? And you're you're just right. taking a loss leader, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. But but well, I can tell you as far as the discounts, 
the discounts are matched. DC hasn't told us, hey, in a month, if they're not ordering what they were ordering, we're going to change that. They have not said anything about it. Like, they are honoring the discount that they have been getting from Diamond. So that is not going to change. Now, as far as reaching their Diamond, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what that minimum is. Because I think Diamond, I don't know how many tiers they have, but I thought they had a 35% tier and then possibly a 45 and then a 50. But I think you max at 50 with Diamond. But I don't think that minimum is that hard okay. to, like, to reach. But I, I'm not, I can tell you, I'm not sure about it. But most people I don't think would be affected and would lose their Diamond discount unless they're a super heavy DC customer right and then maybe that would have just taken them over the edge and i'm mm-hmm. you know I, I don't but i can't i really can't speak to that sure to sure. say whether that you know that how many people that would affect and you know how it would lower their possible diamond discount right right um you had alluded to this a bit ago which is the idea of extending credit terms and for some of our listeners they might not even know what we're talking about but basically uh like with any business that orders volume from a, a, a supplier um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like it is with an end customer where I order my monthly books, you bill me for the monthly books when they're ready. Um, you know, because businesses have cash flow and, and, and whatnot. And so understandably over the years, diamond, like many businesses of its type has built a system of credit terms. So some, some LCSs, you know, get extended payment terms or graduated payment terms or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, Needless to say, you're going to now be in that business after not having to be on the retail uh, on the end customer side. Um, you know, I, I, I've known you a long time. I don't know that that's an area of of particular expertise because you all haven't had to do it before. So, how are you dealing with that? Because I have heard again, not from you, but from sort of the ether that um, as kind of these accounts are going other places, it's been clear that Diamond has extended let's just say extremely generous terms at times. Um, and you know, that is a risk for you or Midtown to match those terms because it may be a bad business decision because you could have a, a, you know, a, a, a credit issue. So how are you, how are you addressing the idea of the terms that you're inheriting and how to you know, adjust them to make you guys. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, you've met my husband, right? He's sure. a psycho. So uh, <laughs> when, it, when it comes to stuff like that, like, um, it's funny because, um, Diamond has, first of all, they have literally like 20 different payment terms. So from, from COD check, COD certified pay before ship, um, net seven, net 14, net 21, net 28, you know, like all the, just crazy, Right. Um, and, and let's be honest, it's been for over years and years. So I'm sure there are some people who had terms 25 years ago. And so they still have those same terms. Um, some people who are new and maybe they don't feel as comfortable with or because when you open a diamond account or really any account with any distributor, you know, you have to give them credit, uh, it's a credit application. They check your credit. They check references because we're talking a lot of money, generally speaking, thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, it That was the, I mean, that's why we've always said we didn't want to be a distributor, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> we thought, wow, that's a lot of risk to take. Um, and we, to be honest, all of our customers that we've had since the beginning have been really fantastic about paying. 
In fact, there are many, many retailers. And I think that a lot of people give retailers a bad rap about that type of thing, but they are very conscientious conscientious about making sure their bills are paid, making sure they don't owe you anything. Like mm-hmm. we had this rounding thing in Lunar where it was like leaving a one cent balance, which we didn't care about. It was more of a nuisance than anything, but it was just because with a 53% discount or whatever, you know, you have a, well, you paid 2.4950. So it just had this little, and people would, would say, well, I don't want to have a balance. So, you know, I mean, they, there are more people that are conscientious and really careful about making sure they're paying, and it's made us feel more comfortable. Right. Um, it's still a lot. I mean, it's a big risk to take. Um, but, you know, you just put things in place where you say, oh, they're late on their invoice. We're going to check in with them. But if they're still not responding, then we will have to, like, hold their shipments until we can get them back up. Steve is... It probably did that to uh, to a detriment to himself um, because he was so committed to keeping the retailer in business that it it became untenable for the retailer at some point to mm-hmm. actually be able to get caught up. Um, although his heart was in the right place, I think that um, some of that risk probably was taken a little more than than should have been. Sure. And um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but basically it sounds to me like you're saying there are at least on some level maybe accounts, be they small, big, large, whatever, that had terms from, from Jeppy that probably they wouldn't normally be given. And if you feel like they're enough of a credit risk, you're not going to be – it's just not realistic to be as lenient, right? I mean is that is that – am I saying that fairly? Uh, I mean what I will say is that we are honoring that, Okay. Uh, which Diamond is giving them now, but mm-hmm. – if the payments become a problem, then we can at that time tell them that we'll need to okay. change the terms. That's fair. So yeah, that's fair. Not in the beginning, you know, where it's kind of everyone's on a clean, fair slate there. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some people who have said who said to us even today, I've been on COD and I've been on COD for 17 years and Diamond won't take me off. And I'm like, that's nuts. Like, you've been paying your bills for 17 years and COD is a horribly cost prohibitive thing for customers because I mean, we were on COD when we first started in our basement. And for and, some of our listeners that may not know it's cash on delivery, meaning they have to pay to get the books themselves. Like they, right. they get, the right, driver okay. shows up and says, you owe me $375 or whatever. And that's the cost of the items in there and the shipping costs. But what people don't realize is the shipping cost. There's a $15 fee for each of those packages. So it was cost prohibitive for us. Like as soon as we could get off CD, COD, we wanted to be off it because we were paying like exponential rates for right. our shipping. Um, so I think that sometimes it's just easier to say, well, you know, that works for us. Um, but we want people to be successful. We want them to put that $15 back in their pocket and hopefully they'll buy more comics to be able to sell to their customers. And that's kind of the whole end goal, right? Totally. So, um, we have taken a lot of people off of COD and said, and, and, and some people say, I want to be on COD that because I know that when I hand that check to the driver, I'm paying for that and I'm good. And you know, so we're fine with that. But we tell them, you know, you are paying more. And they're like, I'm OK with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but other people have really appreciated the fact that we're just we send them the invoice, your shipments on your way. And then they they send us their check right away. So, OK. 
Um, another issue we've seen raised, and, and again, I think you know these guys, the, the guys at Challengers, Pat, Pat and Dal. Um, yeah. I heard Pat mention it um, on a podcast I listened to where he said, like, he's cool with, with, you know, it is what it is. They'll adjust. But for them, they use uh, – and I, I'm sorry, I don't remember the name, but they use the retail management system that is, like, heavily tied oh. to Diamond. What is the that? Sweet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and so and they've used that for a long time, and they've actually looked at uh, at an alternative a few times, but haven't made the, ch- the change. And so he was saying that like there are just some logistical issues that I think we all agree will eventually get worked out. But like for example, he was wondering then when he has to go with I don't know if he's going with you or or UCS. I don't know where he falls in that geographically. I assume you because he's in Chicago. But um, but either way, he was saying that like it's a real problem for them just in terms of time because it's basically a two man show because. You know, when you had just Diamond, they got a file from Diamond, like we get your Excel order download, and it went right. into their system, and they were able to manage everything. And now, as he sees it, at least for now, all the all DC books will be like special order for their pull list, their clients, and everything. I guess what I'm asking you is, I'm sure you're intimately aware of the challenge because you're also a retailer. So, um, like, are you already actively working with your backend guys to to make some kind of integration so that that will be easier for people using um, retail management systems? Yeah, we already did. So oh, cool. the first week um, I had a, a retailer friend in California who started with us and he said, hey, I'm with Comic Hub and I need a CSV file of my invoice. I said, OK, we can do that. No problem. I called my developer. He said, yep, I'll make a PDF version in a, in a, in a CSV. And he said, what do they need on it? And so I reached out to that retailer and he said, I need this, this, this and this. I said, OK, done. And it was done like for the very first invoice. So um, we have told people who've reached out to us, and and I will be honest with you, we're working on an FAQ page, which I started six weeks ago, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, to really give people an idea of exactly what they can expect from every single like aspect of it. And that is one of them. So um, Cameron reached out to Stu Colson at Comic Hub Got it. Uh, and he just said, hey, Stu, is there anything else that you can find? And we've told everyone, if there's data that's not in that CSV file that you need, and we do, we offer CSV files for them on the order page, too, for all the products that are being offered. So they should be fair. They should fairly easily be able to upload their things. And if they're not, they're just supposed to let us know what content we're missing or any data we're missing, and we can absolutely add it for them. What's great about it is, you know, it's a CSV file. So you can have tons of data that you don't need, but you can go in and delete out what you don't and add what you, you know, keep what you want. And it's pretty easy to upload into a system. And then I had a customer today who said he uses Mobi, which is one of the older RMS systems, but mm-hmm. it doesn't even have support for it anymore. Um, but people love that system. So he said, Oh yeah, CSV, that'll work for me. And he, and he told me the items that he needs. And I said, I believe all of those are in the invoice, but let me know if they're not. And we'll just make sure they are. So that is something that, and we're actively working on building that a little more um, because Diamond just, uh, they launched Pullbox a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that was like a two-year project. So it's not something that I can have my developer work on in three seconds. Sure. Anyone in IT or programming or any sort of development knows um, but we got some information from people that, that told us what they liked about the pull box system. And we're going to try to build something for customers so that they can use that too. 
Well, I, among the three of us, there are two that are very big fans of spreadsheets and one that runs screaming away from them. But uh, <laughs> Can you guess have, which one that is? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think I have to tell you, I've never been more of a spreadsheet queen than I have in the last six months. Let me <laughs> yes. yes. Well, welcome to yeah. the club. of the I, many things that impress me about you, that is all the way down at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I have to say, I don't, I don't, I think it's probably been like close to 15 years I've been a customer now, and I, I've never not ordered through the uh, Excel upload. I don't even know how to do it otherwise. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. So, <laughs> um, so, a lot of our listeners, frankly, an, an, an astonishing number, I would say, relative to a population, um, are outside the U.S., you know. And, uh, and, and like one of the things we got just deluged with in our Patreon and our Slack was, where does this leave us, meaning the the, the international customer? Um, and again, I, I know DC put out that that Q and A today, and, and effectively, as I interpret it, was like good luck. Like they, their answer was international dist- uh, stores. You can you you know call or talk to UCS, Lunar, and Random House, and uh, and and pick one. Now, I, unless I'm mistaken, none of you have at least existing international like on site distribution hubs so um you know i know rich johnson was on a show this week saying from his vantage he's heard that it could raise prices for comics in britain at least again initially 70 or 40 to 70 percent per issue just on the cost it's going to take to get them uh from you all and 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 i i bring this up because you know again we always ask our listeners to consider using you and we've had quite a few um non-us customers give it a try because of the great discounts and some have stuck with it, but some have said, frankly, you know, the, the cost of shipping internationally kind of offsets the benefit of the discount. So I'm not sure it makes sense for me. And, and we get that. So now I, I, I know this is very early days, but, but what are your thoughts on um, if and how you need to handle international? And just for our listeners, if you're not aware, um, international is currently about 15% of DC's business. So again, um, you know, it's it's an it's non it's it's a significant number. I mean, it's it's tens of millions of dollars. So yeah. So Cameron and I have discussed this because um, the moment that I can tell you that probably uh, although it's fifteen percent of the business, it's about forty percent of my emails right now in Lunar. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah. So um, we I reached out to and I am sure I'm saying I'm butchering the name, but it's a Geodis which is a freight forwarder that specializes in freight forwarding to, I believe, Australia, but also just the greater Europe, Europe right? So um, I reached out to them. I have not received a return call because I want to figure out, you know, what we can do, what, because we had several international customers who said, hey, we use these guys as a freight forwarder. Is that okay? Can we just have them come pick them up at your warehouse? And we're like, hell yeah. Um that would be incredible if there's a way for them to um, figure out a way to just pick it up. But I understand that there are other stores that aren't going to get freight shipments, right? They're not going to get a pallet of merchandise. Um, We had heard that many UK stores were kind of talking about banding together to get their shipments in one place where, you know, there would be an opportunity for a pallet type of situation to be freight shipped over would be more cost effective. I haven't heard yet whether that is happening or um, exactly what to expect, but we have I effectively figured out the Australian customer base. Okay. Um, 
Roland, are you listening? Roland's a good yeah. friend. Of ours. <laughs> yeah, he's an Australian. Um, yeah. So oh. we, and, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, this is the problem with, and it's not a problem. This is the obstacle we have to overcome when shipping anything internationally is that you have to deal with GST and VAT taxes. So, sure, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, we ourselves at DCBS have had to deal with this um, over the last couple of years because all of a sudden countries have effectively started to do taxing essentially the way that the Supreme Court's allowed every state to do it now in the U.S., so, which is the absolute bane of Cameron's existence because he has to deal with all that tax stuff. It's literally caused him to be a completely different person sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, with Australia, we have to charge GST to our customers um, based on their shipment when it goes out the door, and then we have to actually send that to the country of Australia. Which seems, you know, kind of crazy when you think about it. Like, how are they policing this? It's weird, you know. But we do it because that's what we're supposed to do. And so when we were asked to do Australia and New Zealand, Cameron was like, well, I don't know what the tax implications for that are. And um, we ended up finding out. He spoke to a tax expert today, and they're like, look, you can do this thing. And they fill out this form, and they have the, they have to have a certificate. But as long as you have that on file, you're good. And, you know, so... We've, we've been able to work it out um, to figure out how to at least onboard them, get their accounts set up. But many of them do use a freight forwarder. So we would send it to some place in California, and then that freight forwarder would take it care of it for them. And I, I believe it's fairly cost effective. So I'm right. hoping the same thing can happen for UK. Mm-hmm. The problem with UK is that there's Diamond UK. So... We don't have any of that data. Um, I mean, I don't know that DC does. I'm sure they do in some way, but it wasn't provided to us. And so I believe they had like different discount structures, different, like somebody told me, oh, if I order from Diamond UK and it's over 250 pounds, I get free shipping. Uh I'm like, wow, okay. But they're in the UK. That's how they're able to do that. So I don't know what it means for us getting product over to them. I had someone from Trinidad, from Germany, from South Africa. I mean, we've got Dubai. The Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people, Italy, that are inquiring. And there's some great shops in Israel. I mean, one of them won the uh, Eisner a few years ago. Yeah, Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the one navigational obstacle that is our biggest right now. Sure, Um, sure. Because... You know, domestically, and even Canada's is a bit of a, it's not a problem, it's a bit of a difficult, because apparently Diamond ships to customers in Canada so many different ways um, that they have a network that we're not quite familiar with, so we're getting, we're gathering as much information from those retailers as we can to find out how we can find the best option for them. Uh, perfect. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it is. I think people need to remember that this is very quick and sudden how it's all happening um, for you too, right? Like you're adjusting on the fly. Right. <laughs> um, now, I mean, here's the thing. So this is a big one, I think. Um, you know, you're first and foremost a retailer, obviously. Right. So while I think we're all getting our arms around what this means for stores and customers to get their DC books. Uh, Last time I checked, you and Dime, you and Midtown were Diamond's two most important customers. Now I know that when it was temporary and all, you know, there was sort of a oh they understand it is what it is. 
Um, what, and this is really coming from more of the, of the DCBS customer question, like we, who are your customers? Sure. Um, now that it's again, an ongoing situation, we won't call it permanent, but ongoing for at least for the foreseeable future, what is to prevent diamond from getting, you know, nasty with you? Do, are there, are, do you have contractual terms in place to assure that they don't refuse to give you books or charge you, change your terms or play games with your delivery times. I mean, I presume you've thought about all this, but, but, but can you reassure, you know, the longtime DCBS customers like us that this is not an issue? I, I'll tell you, Jason, I hope it's not an issue. Um, That has been a concern for us. Not that they would necessarily just refuse service, but you know, my hope is that the people in the warehouse don't know who we are. So hopefully they'll sh- they'll take care of my shipment the same way they always have. Um, I also hope that Diamond would realize what a good customer we've been and want to continue to be. And I think that it would be just as beneficial for them to service all of the other things that we order from them. Um, and to the best of their ability, the, the way that they've done it for the last 21 years. There's nothing, there's not really a, the only thing in any like terms of service that we agreed to was that we can't sub-distribute from like whatever we purchase from Diamond to other retailers, um, which by the way happens. It, it doesn't really happen with us, but there are other retailers that do it all the time. And Diamond really doesn't police that. But, I mean, we're going to be super mindful of what it's going to look like over the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. And if we see anything that we feel is like untoward, which I don't don't think we need to expect, I really don't, um, then we'll reach out to the publishers if we're having issues with it. The publishers that we're currently being serviced to. Because, I mean... When it comes down to it, we are the top two Marvel accounts, right? So I don't think Diamond would want to screw that up because then they would only be pushing right. Marvel towards saying, Ugh, well, if they can't take care of everyone or our top two accounts, then we maybe should look for it. And I'm, I'm not saying that they would or are doing that because they aren't, as far as I know. Um, I just I think that it's it would be best for diamond to just, okay, we're going to service these accounts and these publishers. And that's what we're going to do. Like we've always done it. Um, but you know, but if something does change, don't worry, you'll hear about it from me. Yeah. 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 No, that's right. fair. I mean, it's all you can do is just be prepared for it and, right. and hope we're, for the best. It would be, it would be somewhat sort of uh, mutually like mutual assured destruction for them to suddenly right. turn because again, I don't need you to, but I, I would. I'm guessing the two of you are a significant percentage of their monthly orders. Again, you know, enough that it would be very hard for them to just say we don't really need your business. So, right, um, and they we are the ones that they make the most money off of because of our volume. So you take that out of the mix, and it's even more detrimental. Mm-hmm. to their bottom uh, line now again I, ha, have you had any conversations with like the executive management team throughout all this uh, i know it, it, it when it was first happening on the temporary side you said it really was kind of like no real direct contact but i mean 
Huh. Have they like? Because the reason I ask is because if I were them, like if I were running Diamond, I would have in the last six weeks reached out to my two most important customers, seeing what was going on, and been like, "Can we have a talk?" Not to say that there's anything they could have done about it or should have done about it, but like it would concern me greatly if my two largest customers were getting ready to potentially compete with me, and it's just kind of stunning to me to hear, at least to the last time we talked, that they haven't really made any overtures. To hear your side of things. No. Okay. They haven't at all. That's, and they haven't. That's baffling to me. They <laughs> haven't. And to be fair, I mean, I was, I am, I was very good friends with one of their executive team. And the moment the announcement went out, I reached out to him a couple of days later because I was, you know, buried in work. And I have yet to hear from him. Mm. So I was shocked. do not call us now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I really was shocked because, I mean, it wasn't just a business relationship. Like, we were friends. Um, but I understand that this is just a crazy time. And, you know, who's to say what Diamond said as far as language to or, or any sort of communication with us. But we, we in Midtown, because we've had these conversations with Midtown before, we pretty much run our own business. We kind of keep our heads to the grindstone, nose to the grindstone. We're just like, we're just working constantly. So like we're most of the time we're outside of the fray Mm -hmm. because I mean, even when the announcement went out Friday, it's very easy to look at bleeding cool and newsarama and everything else and get just wrapped up into that. And Oh my gosh, everyone hates us and whatever. Um, but then, you know, I'm on the phone with customers and I'm answering emails and everyone's being super helpful and friendly and wow. Okay. Thanks. And, oh, I'm scared. But as soon as we talk to them, they're like, I feel a lot better now. I just wasn't sure. And this is a big change. And so I think that the perception that's given by even the comics media, which is very similar to the own news media that we have right now is everything is doom and gloom. Everyone hates everyone. And there's really just a lot of positivity that no one's hearing about. Yeah, um, I mean, that's that's I was going to say, I mean, you know, we I completely agree with you, especially in the sense that the only people I've seen openly and actively decry this are existing re, uh, retail LCS owners. Right. Um, I've heard a lot of creators at all kinds of, of companies from small to from small to the images to Marvel and D.C., all say, ah, it's about time, right? Like we've all complained about the the, the problems of a, the monopoly of the direct market for a long time. Like, cool, like let's see what this means, you know? Let's mm-hmm. keep an open mind. And I have seen lots of feedback from others in the industry as well to say, you know what? Uh, there, there certainly is is there there are questions obviously that need to be answered, and there's going to be logistical hiccups for sure because any time yeah. of major. But but at the end of the day, let's let's see if this is a net positive in the long. In the long run, so I agree with you. I think I think um, it's easy to make the splashy headline and say, "Oh, end of the comics market," and so right. forth and so on. And 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 certainly, I don't think it makes sense to believe in any of that. Now, with that said, um, Diane Nelson, who was the longtime president of DC, uh, yes. and before that, uh, you know, was responsible for bringing Harry Potter to the world, um, yes. she said in an interview, and I believe it was on in at the Comics Beat with Heidi McDonald. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. I believe that's where I read. Yes. That's what okay. it was. I okay, did great. Yes. okay, cool. Yeah, so you know where I'm going. She, she said, and again, she, to be clear to everyone listening, 
Diane Nelson uh, is not the president of DC anymore, so she is not in direct purview of this. She's not a boss there, so she was just offering her opinion. She does not know this to be fact. But she did give some relatively strong, you know, a, a pull quote, which was she questioned Diamond's solvency. Now, again, I'm not going to sit here and ask you to weigh in on Jeppy's finances because, A, I doubt you know them, and B, even if you had some kind of inkling, it would be, you know, inappropriate for you to, 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 to say one way or the other. But getting back to what you said earlier, which I thought was very candid, and you said, listen, you know, we're doing this for DC. We have the infrastructure, we have the space, but we really aren't prepared from a volume and infrastructure standpoint to do this for lots of other publishers at the same time, at least for now. So I guess the question is if Diane Nelson and others are right, and this is kind of, you know, the, a domino in, in this diamond thing, and, and, mm-hmm. and for some reason we fast forward three, six, 12 months. And Diamond has issues, and it's clear that uh, that other parts of the comics industry need to find alternatives. Um, you know, based on what you said earlier, I mean, are are you prepared for that, or like what would need to be in place for you to yeah. to come to terms with that? I mean, because it sounds like you would need that would be a much bigger commitment, right? You need more space, probably, right. maybe geographically, like another building. So so a lot has to happen for, before you'd be willing to commit to that kind of distribution network, right? Right. Uh, Yes, and we plan, we are planners by nature, so we plan for DCBS every single month, we plan for Lunar every single month now, Um, and honestly, if it comes up, then we figure it out, just like we're figuring this out, frankly. I mean, this was something, as I said, that happened over a two or three day period, right? So it was more of a, hey, how much can you take on? And we were like, uh, you want to be more specific? <laughs> and I mean, really it was a matter of how many, how many customers can you take on? And we thought, okay, well, you know, with the space we have now, yeah, we could take on more customers. That's not a problem. And I think that's how it would, I mean, we're constantly figuring out what if we grow 10% next month and what if we grow 20 or what if we grow three or whatever, but like, we're always looking for growth. So, you know, six months down the road, we'd be in a better situation and know exactly what we have and what we need and what's been going on. And I think it helps a lot that we're starting with a DC because they're big enough and they have enough titles and they have enough just, uh, general, like it's a, it's a large publishing schedule um, that gives us an idea of what we can really take care of. And then once you know you can do that, it's just a matter of, okay, this is how many more people we need. This is how many more square feet we need. And um, because the, the, the hard part in the beginning is like figuring out which printer it's coming from, where is it coming in? When's it coming in? When are you processing it? You know, making sure. And then, of course, the developer has tons of other things he has to deal with mm-hmm. and how the entire system works. Um, but we've really gotten to get those kind of kinks out. And it's it, we're actually lucky. And I'm saying that in a nice way. You know, Diamond has a system that they've been working on for 30 years. And it is an old system that they just kind of patch and add stuff to. But we're starting with this brand new system of, hey, what are the things that we would have liked for Diamond to have been able to provide to us or how we'd like to see ordering or, you know, those types of things. And we've been in business long enough 
and taking enough feedback from customers to be able to really make it what we want it to be and then be able to build it from there. Sure. That's very fair. So, so really the last question I have is, is, you know, we've known you a long time, like you said, 20 plus years at this, yeah. um, unquestioned success. I mean, you, you know, again, I, I, not blowing smoke up your ass, but, but you've become <laughs> one of the largest, as we said, one of the largest retailers of comics in the world, uh, you know, highly profitable relative to your peers, you and Cam and, and your team have put in the work, like you're there, like you've, right. you've built great lives through hard work, like the American dream, all that stuff. So I guess what I want to know, and this is more asking you like a friend, like, why do this? Like, what is the, <laughs> like, like, I understood why you did the temporary thing and right. that you had to plan for it maybe being more than that. But, but is the juice worth the squeeze for you guys? I mean, cause your business now is pretty kick-ass and you're good at it. So, yeah. so why do it? Um, I think, it, I mean, that's a, that's a really great question. I think it's because we didn't go, we didn't, we didn't actually seek it out. It was more of a cry for help and cry for help is probably a bad term to use, but it was a, oh my gosh, we need some help here, right? We need to figure this out. And we've always been solution-based. And then when they said, hey, we thought, you know what? We could probably make a difference, whether it's small or not. Whether if, And even when we were helping out, we thought, hey, if we're helping 100 retailers, and we literally were at that where we were saying, hey, if we only have 100 people show up, at least we're helping 100 people. And that's kind of how we've always been, even with DCBS, right? Like, if we can give, if somebody is going to benefit from our work, why wouldn't we just want to employ more people, which is great for the economy, it's great for us, it's great for people in our community. That's kind of how we always see it. And the thing is, like, we're as family business owned as it comes. So um, my sister has done email for 20 years for us, right? She's the main email Shout out. person, Carrie. And her her son, Jordan, has worked for us for a couple of years now. Mackenzie runs the DCBS warehouse, um, our oldest child. Yep. And then um, our second child, Caden, he actually moved back from Florida and he's actually working for someone else. But on the side, he's doing some of the financial stuff for us uh, because that's what he wants to do. So he's kind of side jobbing that some of the financial stuff, given getting some stuff off of Cameron's plate a little bit. And then our son-in-law, who is Mackenzie's husband, runs the Lunar Warehouse. He's worked for us for several years also. And so it really is a family business. Quinn, our son that's at IU, who's on summer break right now, was helping with email today and trying to get all those people onboarded. And we had other people doing that too. Um, but we're, you know at the heart of it, we are a family. Even the employees that are in our warehouse are our family. We take it very seriously. We really care about our employees. And it is difficult to say, wow, if we, like, I never, I don't envision myself as a person who has 500 employees. Like, I don't know how many employees Diamond has, Mm -hmm. but where you don't know every employee that works for you. And I don't know that I ever want to be that person. Right, right. No, all very fair. I mean, that's all very fair. Um, I, you know, you have been incredibly forthright. I appreciate that. I don't have any, like, that's kind of a litany of, of what I thought we needed to cover uh, relative to all this DC Diamond sure. uh, uh, news. But but obviously, while we have you, I mean, you have um, 
you ha- you like everyone else are still dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic and yeah. um, you've been very communicative about how things will kind of normalize, but just while we have you like anything you want to say to customers or just kind of about like how that's going, do you feel like things are, when do you think you'll feel like things are getting back to normal? Would it be like in a month from now or maybe like two cycles of ordering? I'm just, just wondering how it's been for you guys on that front, like just your, your core business. You know, we were just talking about this today um, because Carrie was fielding emails from customers about Marvel and in the June catalog, who that by the way, Marvel is in the June previews catalog. Right, the main catalog, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, Cameron called me last week. He's like, "Hey, I just want to give you a heads up because people are going to be asking. There are only like 50 Marvel titles in there, and 30 of them are from the last two months." And I was like, "Oh, great! You know, we're going to get." And we did. Carrie today looked at me. She's, "We've got to send an email out or something because we're getting all these emails of people thinking that we're missing Marvel stuff, right?" Mm-hmm. And so that's the one part that's really not been normal for us um, is what to expect going forward. I can tell you that this week our shipment was twice what it was a couple of weeks ago. So it's the biggest shipment we got from Diamond in since they've been back. It was still a third of what our shipment normally is. And then mm-hmm. we had DC that was actually bigger than the Diamond shipment this wow. week. Well, that makes sense, right? I guess, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, we sell a lot of DC product. Yeah. So, um, so it was a pretty, like, it was a pretty normal, if I can say normal. It was closest to normal than we've been in two months. Cool. And I think that by the, and I know this sounds like really out there, but I think by the end of August is when we'll really see as close to a return to a normalcy as we can. Um, I'm hoping. I'm hoping there's not a second wave. I'm hoping lots of things. Um, But so far, you know, the team, (laughs) the team is bored stiff. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They have made so many bags and boards and boxes. It is coming out our ears in that warehouse because I've I've kept them employed the whole time because I've been able to. And, um, you know, people are just, they're like, we want to just do regular shipments. So last week was, not even close to being a regular month end for us, but it was at least closer or two weeks ago. I'm sorry. And then last week we had first week and fifth week customers and it was a little closer to normal. Um, This is going to be a light week for us just because second week just generally is. Um, But you know, the team's ready to get back to just like filling a lot of product. I get Uh, the weeklies and and I have to say, you know, I've ordered, I order a lot of books usually. And it's like, each box now it's it's like two yeah. two collected editions which is awesome and like one or two single issues and i'm yeah. like wow this is this is bizarre yeah it's super weird because like anyone who started with us in the last month or two and we have had some new people they're just not going to know what hit them when it goes back to normal right. you know we have people with two giant bins full of stuff you know as they're picking them but um no i mean i i'm I do. I, I unfortunately think, though, that that all of that is going to change too. Um, it'll never be the same. There are publishers that are going to rethink every single thing that they put out now, and I don't know that that's good. So you're you mean you're preparing again? I don't want to put words in your mouth. So let me just make sure I'm understanding. You're saying that you're preparing at least uh, prepare for the worst. You know, hope for the best. You're preparing for a world where there's less available physical product from publishers. Yeah. Okay. 
We are. I mean, we already know that that's happening right now. We already know that by the amount of Marvel that's offered in the June catalog that until August, that's what we're going to see too. Um, it's going to be a shift, but I think that I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily bad. And what I mean by that is I think that everyone, I, I think we were getting to a point where we were, where they were in the nineties, which to be fair, I met Cameron in 91. No, we were married in 91. So I met him in 90. And so like the implosion happened probably while we were dating Um, but I wasn't like in retail at the time, but even in the last year, we've seen this like glut of extra variants and multiple covers and, and I think it just a lesser quality of content than we've seen in a while. Now, maybe it just wasn't speaking to me. I just, I felt like we've been kind of in a slump as far as having so much of that fantastic creative stuff, I'm not saying there hasn't been fantastic creative stuff in the last couple of years. It's just that it, it, we're just kind of on that downward spiral. And there's a lot that maybe just didn't speak to me or the masses. Um, But I think that that gives publishers an opportunity now to just stop throwing stuff at the wall and really kind of sitting back and going, let's just put our absolute best foot forward. And I'm hoping that's what they're all doing. Right. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Yeah. You'll know before us, but I guess we'll still know soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is there is there anything else that we haven't covered that you think, you know, because, uh, again, like you said, it's a it's a sea of uh, of opinion and misinformation mixed in with legitimate analysis out there. Right. Anything you think that we haven't touched on that you think is pertinent to uh, to get out there um, before we we let you go for the evening? Huh. I mean, I guess. The most important thing is that if anyone knows us personally or even professionally, that we are literally the most ethical, fair-minded people that you'd meet. And so any retailer or customer, for that matter, who thinks that we would do anything to be, like, to actually be a negative influence on the industry is exactly the opposite outcome of what we want. That's it, it. All we want is the industry to grow and to prosper and to stay around so that when my grandchildren are born and they grow up, they're able to read comic books too. That's really, that's really the end goal for us. Beautifully said. Yeah. I think we all agree with you. Yes. Well, as always, thank you so much for your friendship and your sponsorship sure. and uh, this evening, your, your candor, um, give our best to the fam uh, and, you know, do try and relax a little bit. I know it's probably hard right now, but, uh, you well, know, hopefully uh, by the weekend, we'll, we'll <laughs> I might be able to take a few hours off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and needless to say, if, 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 if ever there's something out there in the news cycle that, uh, you know, you think is, is incorrect or bothersome or detrimental and, and catching, you know, the internet fire, uh, you know, you always have us as a, as a, if you even pop on for 10 minutes just to clear the air or clarify, we, you're always welcome. You know that. I appreciate it. Yeah. The ink isn't dry on our exclusive contract yet. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, that is true, right? No exclusives in this, in this deal. Let me tell you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. 
That's right. We know your. We know our. We we know that uh, we're your favorite, though. You don't have to say so. Yeah. But, but we know the truth. We know the truth. All right. Well, thank you so much, Christina. Uh huh. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Be well. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Take care. You too. Bye bye. How about it? It it was amazing, but it was very it was very forthright and very candid, which I I expected from her, knowing her. But um, it's always nice when someone just shoots from the hip, tells you like it is. Yeah, I'm not going to say we're not biased. We clearly are. Oh sure. Yeah, we've known Christina and Cam for for I mean I mean 15 years, and we have they have been our sponsor for 12 years, and. We have broken bread with them. We have had cocktails with them. So I don't want to give any. I don't want to bullshit people. They we consider them friends, and so we're not we're not unbiased. But that said, I, I don't. If you took the time to listen to this episode, I don't know how you can listen to what Christina said and not come away impressed and also convinced that she's being truthful because. The the cadence of her responses, the 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 surety of them, I, I just don't, I, I don't know how you can listen to this and then still like be raising an eyebrow. You know what I mean? I, um, right. And so I hope, um, you know, we have a big audience. I hope we have an even bigger audience for this. In that there are a lot of comic stores, a lot of people that go just to LCSs that don't go to DCBS or Midtown. I hope y'all listen and at least give them a chance. I mean, I think that the big takeaway is that we don't. This is a huge deal, and like it's clear that nobody other than, say, DC was really prepared for this in any grand way. And DCBS is still learning, and you know we don't know Midtown, but it sounds like they're in the same boat. They're still learning, and there's going to be plenty of dominoes that fall and questions to answer. But I think if you kind of came into this thinking, oh, those D- those damn DCBS people are going to – you know, just ruin my business or going to just take advantage of the situation. I don't know how you can, you have to be pretty conspiratorial after the conversation we just had to think that's true. Yep. Now I have a question for you guys though. I mean, I know it's kind of fresh, so I mean, I'm putting on the spot, but based on everything we talked about, do you have any um, thoughts or conclusions or maybe things that even though you know that like, Christine is telling us how she sees it. Maybe you're still like, ah, I'm not sure it's going to work out that way. Like, I know why you're hoping it will. I mean, do you have any kind of like big takeaways in terms of the industry that are maybe in contrast to what you said? Not because you don't believe her, but because you think she's seeing it from one way, but the industry may see it another way. You know what I'm going to say, right? Um, no, I have no concerns at all. Right. I, I, I have well, well concerns I, might be the wrong word. I, I, mean, I have I mean, one, like, yeah, one concern. I just want to get my books, right? Sure. I, I I don't care what goes on behind the kitchen door. When the plate comes out and it's something I want to eat and I've been looking forward to it, I'm going to eat it. Um, the, the behind the scenes stuff, in terms of retailing and distributing, I I I I, I care because she's our friend, but. I'm just the end user. I just want my books, right? I know it's in good hands. I I know um, it, it, they're um, finding their way and 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 pushing the boundaries of of what they know and learning more. I, and I I completely trust them. I just want my books. I don't. Is that that's a fair thing to say, right? Of course, right? Of course. 
and which is that? why when when you were asking her all those questions, I was like, yeah, it's a good question. I never would have thought of that because I don't walk on that part of the street. That's your brain. I'm, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of the art and the, mm-hmm. the design, and you know, but that that's me. So, again, um, this is why I think we're successful uh, because we both come to the same endpoint from different avenues. Thank you for that. Before Dap chimes in, I will say the one thing I think that is fascinating. Well, there's lots of things about, it, but about all this is that what other industry or hobby or pastime do the end customers care as much as we do about the well-being or uh, viability of all the supply chain, right? Like, like when we go and buy a pair of jeans, we don't think, oh, I, I are they getting a good deal from their dye manufacturer? Like, are they able to like handle the VAT tax now that China, you know, like we comics is so incestuous, and and we understand why it's because. F- Frankly, it's it's become an industry largely supported by a small number of fiercely loyal people. Yeah, and so we feel a sense of ownership in the hobby, even though we don't really have ownership in the hobby. Uh, and and it is kind of interesting. Like we do, the majority of people that listen to our show, or the majority of people that buy comics on a weekly basis, do, even if they shouldn't, care about the LCS that they go to and the business model and diamond and whether publishers are going to make enough money to stay in business. It's funny, right? Cause like there aren't many, like we don't like, if you're a gamer, you don't sit there and think, Oh Christ, man, I hope take two can get grand theft auto seven out or they're not going to be able to make, you know, pay their debt. Like you're just like, Oh, I wonder when grand theft auto is coming out with a sequel. In the meantime, I'm going to play these other games. You know, you don't like, you just like, you know, you don't like think, Oh man, I hope, uh, I hope Fruity Pebbles is on is on the shelves. You're like, oh, no Fruity Pebbles. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Fruit Loops. You know, it is weird, right. but but it is also the reality. There is one fan group that is akin to comic book fans in Wrestling? all those no um, designer vinyl buyers. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think any niche. I mean, I think any niche uh, like industry that's supported by a small hyper focused group of people, uh, soap operas, professional wrestling vinyl uh record collectors yeah uh mixtape collectors um even well hell even action figures now right like i mean most action figures I, i'm maybe i'm wrong here some of you can correct me but i get the sense that actually the action figure business is largely kept afloat by adults who collect versus kids who play right yeah so but dap i don't want to cut because because you were obviously and i appreciate you you you, you took a you, you played the wingman but but anything that resonated with you that you either like weren't you know you're like oh okay okay uh uh-huh or you were like "Ah, i don't know about all that no no i mean i even even sitting here i'm still an outsider looking in i mean i i I may have i may have had questions going into tonight and and they were answered but um i would never tell her well i don't know about that because that again that would just be my opinion i have when I um when I picked up the few books that I had last week from the local spot, um, you know, I was like, well, it, it it sucks. I get, I'll have to find something else to replace Spider Gwen since that's going um, uh, Ghost Spider since that's going digital, and um, and that I, I mentioned it. Um, I heard that you know the DC Connect is is going to be digital now, and 
uh, he he's like you know honestly he feels and and he has been scaling back on his his shelf copies, um, but he feels that uh, there's there maybe there's too much stuff and he and he feels that you know a lot of it a lot of it should maybe go digital because uh, people can maybe try things that um, that they wouldn't have normally either digitally through whatever platform or uh, in the shop because now if if DC and Marvel have books that have gone digital then yori may be able to buy some indie books that he wouldn't normally get to buy because he's got to buy the marvel and dc and then dedicate shelf space to that and again you know it's it's a tale as old as time marvel and dc put out a lot of books marvel especially back in the day put out a ton of books because they wanted to crowd the shelves and and wanted to make sure that you know the the smaller guys the indie guys didn't have space there so um you know, you're definitely looking at the silver lining. I didn't, um, I haven't, I haven't asked them business related questions in the sense that, you know, I don't know, um, if, uh, I mean, he is, it's an East Coast shop. So I'm guessing if he's getting any DC, it's, it's from the Midtown arm, but, um, uh, we, we, I, I am curious to know, um, I'll probably pick his brain. I, I, I didn't last time because obviously with, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to limit the number of people. You can only. Yeah. I yeah, was expected to go in for curbside uh, to, to wait outside for curbside, but he waved me and they can actually have people come inside the shop and pick up this stuff. It's all prepaid, but uh, so I'll, I'll get his insights later. But um, yeah, no, I mean, if anything, I would just, I would, I would take what she said and then I would, you know, I, I, I would compare it to what you said just to get a different, different take on things again yeah. it's, it's she could tell us exactly how she's doing it day to day and and how she's making her side of the business run um and that works for her obviously but i don't know um how that how that benefits my guy over here but but mm-hmm. um and and again it's he's mostly um he, he he's mostly he's mostly games it's and that's and and you know he's they've got zoom nights for miniatures and 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 games and they you know paintings and so they're making the best of this situation i i know there's there's one guy who buys mostly the variants of whatever comes out this week it, it doesn't matter who the publisher is it's like he doesn't want any standard cover for anything if it's a variant that's what he goes in for i don't know if he reads the things it's like i i, I feel like anytime sure. i'm in there and he's in there i feel like you know i've gone back in time and i'm like i don't i'm waiting for the bubble to burst again but the the um it it's just it's it's interesting to see her take on things and and explain her experiences and 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 what she's doing um and yeah. then looking at my little not a hole in the wall, but, but, but my little guy. So, um, I, I, I appreciate, I, I'm able to listen to one and, and witness the other in there on, um, different scales. Definitely. And I think that, you know, listen, we, fair is fair, right? We don't, uh, if, if people listen to this episode, particularly people that maybe don't listen to us regularly and if they're retailers or work at a retailer and you feel as though, what you've experienced during this transition does not match up with what we discussed tonight. Let us know. I mean, we're not averse to having the record set or to be told that things aren't playing out the way that we think they're being played out. Right. Like we're, we're not, 
again, I, I don't know. I have no reason to believe that what was articulated tonight by Christina is un, is untrue or a mischaracterization. But there are always two sides, and so if you out there hear this and think, "No, that's not my experience so far," let us know. I mean, we're we'll, we're we're interested in 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 the truth, particularly as it relates to uh, selfishly the end market. I mean, listen, we're in the business of talking about comics because we love comics. I've been a, cu- a customer of Discount Comic Book Service for 15 years because I didn't have an LCS near me where I lived for a long time, and then it grew into something that I really would I would never leave now because I appreciate them, but. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I want awesome comics, and I don't want the direct market to go away because that would mean a lot less comics. Um, I will say I, I have two like final thoughts based on what we talked about. Um, one, I was really surprised and, and appreciated Christina's candor that they couldn't do what they're doing for DC for other publishers right now. Like that would be the sea change. Like right now, they had the space, they had the infrastructure to handle the DC volume because, you know, there was like slack capacity, but if they had to suddenly be a distributor of diamond size for everything, they wouldn't be able to do that. At least not for a lot of time and money. Um, And I think that's relevant because the one thing I didn't feel comfortable pressing Christina on, because I don't know how she would know any better than we do. It's all supposition is there is a small part of me and it's not 50, 50, but let's say 25, 75, the 75 is I take DC at their word in that they were tired of Diamond, they think there's value in having multiple distributors, and they went with this model. The 25% of me focuses on the nuances of some of the things they said in the last 48 hours with their with their press. Um, if you go and look at the Q&A that, uh, that they put out today to talk about all of this, and uh, I did post it into our Facebook group, um, which is facebook.com slash 11 o'clock comics. Um, they said in the opening sentence of this very long document that the reasons for leaving Diamond included the, quote, prolonged stagnation of sales in the direct market. And I think that if you're DC, you're part of a gigantic mega company. You're not putting a press release like that out without every word being carefully vetted by both investor relations, press relations, and legal. And so the fact that they led with that in the opening sentence where they actually mentioned the stagnation of sales tells me that this is not simply about dissatisfaction with Diamond. This is dissatisfaction on some level, again, whether it's above the Jim Lee or it's Jim or it's two levels above Jim or it's AT&T proper. There's some dissatisfaction with the floppy sales market. And... Why I say it's 25% is, you know, I have no reason to not believe what we've heard from them until we're seen otherwise. But I do think there's at least a part of all of this that concerns me that it may be that the DC is using Midtown and DCBS as a stopgap where they'll give them the chance to keep this business going. But they're also fine, if not indifferent, about floppy sales and the direct market going away. And just focusing on the book market because all of their growth has been from the young adult line of graphic novels. They're growing like weeds. And I just wonder, it would break my heart, considering how much we do care for the Merklers, if this is ultimately like a year from now was just DC's way of kind of extricating itself from the direct market without looking like the total villain. And uh, I hope I'm wrong. Again, that's why I say like it's like a 25% viewpoint, but I can't 
completely rule it out from the way I'm th- I'm seeing things because of the way they've chosen to portray the decision to leave D- Dis- uh, Diamond as much about the industry sales as anything else. Because let's be honest, DC's sales to the direct market are not going up because they went to UCS and Diamond uh, D- and, and and DCBS, right? Like at best, they're going to stay the same because they're losing the international at least for now, and. Some retailers will either order less or not order from them because they view them as competitors. So at very best, they'll have 100% of the sales they had going into this from Diamond. They'll have them, right? And we know it's going to be less than that. So like, if they were already citing that they were disappointed in the stagnation of the direct market, well, they're going to be selling less of the direct market going forward, like period, full stop. So what does that really mean? And will they then use that as a reason to say, look – we gave it our best. We tried to change things, but at the end of the day, the market is what it is, and it's not worth it to us. So I don't. Again, I don't want to be. I don't want to be chicken little here. Uh, I think if you listen to the interview, you know that we generally took a positive tone, and I do hope for the best. But I, I'm still leaving a little bit open to what do they mean by the stagnation comment? Well, you know, it's like I'm reading a, an issue of Walt Simonson's Thor. And I'm I'm watching Surtur bang on that frickin' anvil. <laughs> Doom. I don't want to think about that. And yeah, I and, and I don't care I as much as you. It, but I just I no, I but it's it just struck me. But that's your job. That's what you do. Sure. You 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 correlate data and and uh, it's. I hope that that doesn't become the case. But uh, you need to think about that. And that's why we have you. Word. Yeah. All right, everybody. We'd like to thank you for listening to this. A wonderful episode. Uh, remember, the list of specials is up at Discount Comic Book Service. Here are three. Uh, Dynamite's Mars Attacks Red Sonya, number one. You can have it for $1.99 from IDW. It's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the last Ronin. Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Remember that. Uh, cover price is four forty nine. That's half off the eight ninety nine cover price. And from a blaze, the Sumerian returns in People of the Black Circle number one. Three ninety nine cover price. You get it for forty five percent off at two dollars and nineteen cents. In your travels, I am absolutely positively not going to talk about the thing I read over the weekend because I'm not finished with it and talking about it for five minutes would not do justice to this magnificent book. It could very well be the best book I've ever read. Wow. Holy shit. Yes. You're going to be like, what? When I tell you the, the nature of the, the book. you <laughs> So um, anticlimactic to be sure. Listen for that next episode. Uh, in the meantime... I got my DCBS box today. Christina, nice. yes, Christina hand delivered it. Um, <laughs> and inside was a book uh, for which I've been waiting a long time. I haven't read it yet, obviously, because I got it today. It is a hardcover from DC, focusing on DC's first issue specials. Get this Atlas the Great by Kirby and D. Bruce Barry. The Green Team, Boy Millionaires by Jerry Grandinetti and Joe Simon. Metamorpho, The Elephant Man, The Elephant Man, The Element Man 
by the wonderful Ramona Fredon and Bob Haney. Lady Cop by Bob Kaniger, Joe Rosenberger, and some guy named Vince Coletta. Manhunter by Kirby and D. Bruce Berry. The Dingbats of Danger Street by Kirby and Mike Royer. The Creeper by Steve Ditko, Michael Fleischer, and Mike Royer. Warlord by Mike Grell. Dr. Fate by Joe Kubert, Marty Pascoe, and Walt Simonson. Outsiders by Joe Simon and Jerry Grandinetti, inked by Craig Flessel. Codename Assassin by Jerry Conway, Steve Skeets, uh, Frank Redondo, and Al Milgram. Starman by Jerry Conway, Mike Vosberg, and Mike Royer. And last but not least, The Return of the New Gods by Dick Giordano, well, covered by Dick Giordano, plotted by Jerry Ordway, script by Denny O'Neill, and art by Mike Vosberg. This tome includes the story behind the story pages, but, buyer beware, since they were generally 18-page stories, the other stuff that was in these first issue specials is not in this book. Not a huge loss. Because I don't remember anything, I don't remember them, uh, so they weren't noteworthy to begin with. I could be wrong, but these uh, this book just contains the 18-page front matter of these one-issue specials. So get it, it's awesome. I've read these all, but I'm going to relive them through this book. DC's first issue specials, it's it's amazing. And take the dust jacket off, because there is a, pr- <laughs> a printed wraparound cover. Nice. On the hardcover. Um, I do not have anything finished for tonight. Um, I received a couple of things that uh, I need to read, and we also have to um, make our way through the Judge Dredd case files, volume five. So, I'm trying to figure out, trying to pace and, and manage my time to see what, what I can read. But I, I do have a couple of things I want to have read for for our next episode. But in the meantime, I started this, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it is also from Europe Comics. It is called Ivory Pearl, part one, based on the novel by uh, Jean-Patrick uh, Manchette, and it is adapted by Doug Headline. I'm probably... It, it's it's probably Gene Patrick Manchette, but in any case, um, the story takes place in starts off in the fall of 1950 um, in Florida, and there's a uh, it it really kind of just throws you right into it. Uh, there's three men, and uh, they have a little girl with them. They are parking their Oldsmobile in the garage next to this next to this home, and there's someone inside the home. It basically looks like the whole thing was a setup, and um, one of the three that was in the car escaped. He does away with. Um, he makes pretty short work of the people who were already in the home who were going to ambush this crew. The little girl. Um, is is killed so i we're not as far as i am into this book um not everything has been explained yet but i it 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 
feels very um, noirish in the way that we know very little about everybody so far. Ivory Pearl is a um, is a woman who's basically a uh, she's she's somewhat of an investigative reporter. Um, she uh, she is friends with a um, with someone she knew from from the war um and they go back to 1945 uh, ivory pearl was a um a foul mouth street urchin basically who um who knows her way around berlin can get people what they need uh she, she's basically making the most of a shitty situation um regular entrepreneur and um the um the person she becomes friends with uh, is a um, um, he's he's part of the Majesty's Officers Corps and um, basically untouchable. He's also gay, but you know at, at this point nobody could really be nobody could say anything about that and and because of of how high he is on the. Um, on the command chain, but we cut to years later where they're, um, they've, they've grown up. Ivory's become somewhat jaded. And, and I, that is pretty much where, when, when they meet up again, um, that's the part I'm up to now. So I'm, I'm still finding out what's happening to some of the other characters, uh, who we've met earlier in the book. It, it's, it looks amazing. It's, it's, um, Reminds me again. It, it, it's since it's from Europe comics. It very much reminds me of um, a collection of serials from Heavy Metal. Uh, it, it's the art is um, it's weird. It, there, there are parts. There are times where I'm reading it. And it's almost like maybe things were rushed, or um, or or there was just it, 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 it's a little cleaner at the start, um, but it's still very much I don't want to say passable it's better than passable it it, it looks good it, it it's just it things are a little looser as um as we progress but but everybody is you can still tell everybody is and everybody looks the way they're supposed to it that that is not a big deal I just you know when when someone's standing next to a fireplace and everything else is going on around the house but earlier in the book uh, there's detail with the cars and the home it just looked a little often parts but overall i really like the color i like the look of the book um i am excited to see how this finishes i'm going to be really bummed if this is part one of so many and and i'll have to continue to track them down but yeah i'm um i'm digging it so in your travels long ass review of uh ivory pearl part one word up ivory pearl um all right a couple things one i meant to mention y'all that uh there's a shit ton of awesome things going on right now in the art community uh, surrounding efforts to raise awareness and funds for different charitable organizations and movements that uh, are, you know, loosely, let's say, like a catch all for both uh, equal rights and, and, and more specifically the Black, Black Lives Matter movements. Um, DAP gave you the website last week um, where you can find a list of them. But a lot of artists, because they maybe don't have a ton of extra cash but can create beautiful art, have been doing a bit of a swap where they're like, hey, 
you know, I'm going to do 10 commissions for anybody that donates to this charity. If you send me the receipt, you're on the list. And um, it's been really... As an art collector, it's been tremendously fun to participate in, but it's also been really cool to see. There's been absurd amounts of money raised. Um, so I wanted to shout that out. If you're Basically, if you're on Twitter or Instagram, that's probably the best places you'll come across these things. Um, also, shout out to the art reps out there who are doing their part. Felix, our buddy, has been putting up two or three pieces each day from his, his creators that he reps that have been nice enough to donate something. And, uh, of course, because of the quality of those artists, they've been pulling in huge dollars. Um, a Paul Pope piece brought in almost $12,000 for BLM. And uh, you can see all that with Felix Comic Art. Uh, our good friend Paolo uh, at Cadence is doing a similar thing. Uh, a number of his creators are offering um, commissions where 100% of the proceeds go to uh, a number of different worthy organizations. Also, uh, a bunch of the uh, artists in his crew are uh, donating 100% of their proceeds to any original art that uh, you published art that you buy from Palo right now uh, for the next week. So check that out. And then I got to participate in um, basically like a drink and draw on um, basically every Saturday for all of all of the the COVID shutdown. Uh, Jason Schachter at Essential Sequential has been doing a thing in the afternoon where he's just had a live stream of a handful of of his. Uh, artist crew that were available and uh, they just all sit around and draw uh, on camera and chat with each other uh, and interact with the audience. And I've participated in a few when I've had the the opportunity, but this past Saturday they did it in a little different way where um, 100, again, 100% of the proceeds of everything that was drawn during the uh, live draw were donated to, uh, in this case, a particular organization, um, the bail uh, project. But um, it was cool because I jumped on right at the start and Jason just basically threw out like, all right, well, these guys are pretty open. Does anyone have anything they would like one of these guys to draw, um, you know, for a donation? And of course, y'all know me. I said, does anyone want to draw a domino? And Dave Johnson, Mr. Devil Pig, the Reverend Dave Johnson said, oh, I'll do that. And, um, you know, you guys know I, I generally get the the comic version of domino, um, uh, although I love Zazie Beetz's portrayal of domino in the movie. But given the nature of what this was for, Dave was like, you cool with me doing Zazie? Well, he didn't say Zazie. I said that. But he cool with doing the, the movie version. And I said, hell yeah, of course, man. So he, I got to chat with them you know, on Facebook, watching him and Cully Hamner and Klaus Jansen uh, draw beautiful art for like 90 minutes, just chatting about life and the BLM movement and, and their experiences with all of that. And he drew this beautiful domino for me. Um, it's absolutely breathtaking and he wrote, and I asked him to, he wrote Black Lives Matter on it and stuff. Um, but the cool thing was Klaus is there and he's there often, but, um, I asked Klaus a couple questions. It was great. It was like, I was chatting with Klaus Jansen, fucking legend. Right. And, uh, I even like asked him when they were doing stuff like, you know, these seminal works like DKR, when did they know that it was different? You know, when did like, and, and, and he, you know, he gave a really long, thoughtful answer, just basically talking to me directly about how um, it's a great question. You know, when they were doing it, they really thought it was a great, like they thought it was good. They thought they really were doing good work. But it was years until they realized the magnitude of it, you know, because it was just another for hire project. I mean, they thought they did their best work. They thought they really did a good job on it and put their best into it. But they didn't, they didn't see it as something that would last 30 years and be 
be critically analyzed by everybody and, and, and be perceived as, you know, this, this, um, exemplar for the industry. Um, and I, so I just, I just adored the whole experience and I'm pretty sure he's going to continue doing them. So just shout out to all these guys who are out there mixing fandom with good causes in a really organic way. You know, I, I think that's just amazing and I'm all about, about it. So, um, and then just on that note, like one last thing is that, um, uh, if you are on Twitter, um, and you know, Hey, if you're not, I get it, but we all are. Uh, there's an amazing hashtag going around right now called a uh, hashtag drawing while black. And it's all things. It, I am obsessed with it because I saw it uh, pop up with a couple of our friends who are black artists. Uh, I think I first saw it with Sanford Green posted about it and, um, and Kari and, and a number of other uh, guys that we're buddies with. But, but like I, I now follow the hashtag and it's just incredible. I mean, it is a nonstop visual deluge of beautiful art and not just comic art, but just art in general, fine art, commercial art, graphic art, digital art, uh, but just people of color who are in the creative industry that just we should know and recognize and support. And I'm just adoring it. And so if you're on Twitter, just add a little search to hashtag drawing while black. You will not be sorry. Yep. It is a great hashtag. Good deal. Uh, teeny tiny little update that uh, first issue special there were there was no back matter so I don't know what the hell I was thinking so the mm-hmm. stuff in the book is uh, 99.9 let's like ivory percent pure nice um, thank you everyone for listening to this remember Jason said if you have a comment or a concern or you just want to shout out we do have a, a, a hotline and uh, you can call, it'll record you, and you will be on an episode of 11 O'Clock Comics. 914-246-2102. One more time for the people way back in the cheap seats. That's 914-246-2102. But if you don't want to speak and have your yourself recorded, you can always send us an email. It's mailbag at 11oclockcomics.com. Remember, that's 1-1, no apostrophe, Mailbag, M-A-I-L, bag, at 11oclockcomics.com. If you would like to experience more of the EOC, let's call it an agenda, mystique, whatever, uh, go to Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and Instagram. Uh, Visit our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11oclockcomics. Good stuff there. Use the phone number and the email to contact us. And remember... Please say good night, David. Good night, David. Well, I'm thinking a new listener that hears me pause like that is not going to know what the hell is happening. But if they come back for another episode, they're going to be like, oh, this is the part where David takes out his chronograph and times the moment between I say David and he does it. So you'll get it. It's not hard. You'll get it. You'll get it. (laughs) So say goodnight, boys. And once again, thanks for listening, friends. Later. Later.